Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome back to another podcast episode. Okay, so today I want to talk about the fact that I watched not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but ten. Ten Hellraiser films. That's right. I watched all ten Hellraiser films. I think there's actually eleven now because there's like a remake of the original, but I didn't watch that one because I was like, no. Um, But I watched all ten Hellraiser films and you guys, we have to talk. We have to Walk. Okay, so when El- when the first Hellraiser came out back in I think 1984, I think that's when when the movie came out. Um, it was a big deal. It was a really really big deal, and um, obviously Pinhead looked insane. He's one of the most, I'd say, recognizable faces. I'm sorry, 1987. Uh, no, 1987. Sorry, was when the first one came out. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely one of the the most recognizable faces in horror because unlike you know Jason and Michael, he wasn't wearing a mask. He had, like, a full face, and it was, like, needles, like, into his face. He looked so crazy. Um, the poster child for, like, Hot Topic Spencer store. Like, straight up. Like, just looks like he came straight out of those stores. Um, actually, I think I think he was, he, he was around longer than Hot Topic. I think Hot Topic uh, came around in 1989, the year I was born. It's about two years later. Um, but I, I, I think we can say that Pinhead was the reason behind Hot Topic. Let's say that. He just looked crazy. So... Anyway, I grew up watching, like, the first two that I could remember, and I remember not really caring for the first one, and then, like, the second one, I wasn't really sure how I felt about growing up, so I, re- I re-watched all of them, um, one and two, um, a few years ago, actually, and I remember quite a bit about those two movies, and I remember really liking them as I rewatched them, like, these are pretty good. Number two was definitely, like, my favorite of those two. I'm actually gonna do a whole, like, countdown system of what I felt about each film, um, So yeah, let's talk about them. So yeah, Hellraiser, um, the first film came out in 1987 with the last film of the Hellraiser franchise, excluding the new one, excluding the, I think like the reboot or whatever it is. Um, it came, it ran from 1987 to, uh, 2018, so just a few years ago, uh, was the last, the, the 10th installment. And what's interesting about, uh, the Hellraiser series is that there's a lot of the films that actually were not originally written to be Hellraiser, if you guys didn't know. There was about a good chunk of films, I would say probably, let's see, anywhere from, like, one, two, three, four, about four films in the series were not written to be Hellraiser film, which I thought was kind of weird. Well, one is kind of undecided. We'll get to that a little bit later. One of them is kind of undecided on what it was meant to be exactly, but these movies are crazy. So the first two films feature much of the same cast as the other. Um, it's kind of like a revenge plot type deal uh, for those two movies. I remember loving the second film because it felt like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the, the Dream Warriors one, which is my favorite of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. So I really like those two films. They're great movies. But the first Hellraiser was really good as well. And I would say Hellraiser 2 was kind of interesting because to me, it was like, besides Nightmare, it was one of the first times where a horror movie has a sequel that's better than the original. In fact, I can't even say that Nightmare, well, Nightmare 1 and 3 are kind of tied for me. I love the first one. I love the creepiness of the first one, but I also do love number three. I actually have a guilty pleasure of loving number two as well, but number three was really good. So it's kind of hard for me to say what I feel about number three of Nightmare and do I think it's better than the first one. And it's hard for me to say. But with Hellraiser, I can absolutely say that number two is my favorite of the series. Other people might have different opinions. That is totally fine. But I really like the fact, I I like number two so much. Um, So we're going to save number one and two. We're going to talk about 
three and beyond. Because that's what I watched recently was three and beyond. I, didn't, I had no idea there were 10 of these things. I had no idea there were 10 of them. I was like, maybe five or six, maybe even seven. I had no idea there were 10. There's 10 of them. And like I said, like, these, these movies are interesting because, like, oh, man, things just get crazy. Things, these, things, uh, these movies take a, a turn for, like, just some crazy stuff. Just some, the series just goes crazy. I would say, like, after about, like, number four, um, the movies just start being, like, redonk. Okay, so let's talk about this. So we're going to start with number three that released in 1992. That was Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Um, that movie stars a young, I don't know her name, but stars a young woman. I think her name is Joey. Um, and she is, uh, I can't really remember all the events of three. I remember Joey and I remember, I think Terry is her name. Um, and I really like those two. So there's this guy named JP. And I think, I think he's at the beginning of the film, if I'm not, not, not mistaken. Something happens to JP. I don't remember. Um, but he goes into this like art gallery or whatever. I think he's stealing something. And then he ends up taking this like big, like weird hell box. Like not, not the box box, like the little box that, 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 that the thing isn't, uh, that, that releases them. That box is stuck inside of like this, like, uh, oh God, how do you put it? This like structure, we'll call it a structure, that also has Pinhead and a few other, and, and also Jesus on it, which made me feel a little uncomfortable, but it had all that in this huge, like almost like four way door thing. It was, it was weird. Anyway, he ends up taking that thing and putting it in his like uh, club. He like runs a club or some junk. Um, and he's, by the way, the, the character's name I think is, what is it? JP, and JP is actually he's a good looking man that is a good looking man i'm sorry he, he like he kind of looks like something out of like a futuristic movie sort of with his haircut and everything or like a video game but he's a good looking dude anyway he owns this club that his girlfriend terry works at um and then we have our main girl joey joey is i think she like she does something i don't know what she does can't remember what she does but she has like her, her own apartment in like new york whatever she's looking for this girl i think that that went missing and she ends up um, talking to JP and then also talking to Terry. And JP's not interested in what she has to say, but Terry is. And so Terry kind of goes off. Terry's a young girl. She kind of goes off to try to find Joey. And somehow, some way, ends up, like, staying at her, her place for a little while. She's like an alley cat. It was a really cute kind of, like, relationship between the two of them. I actually, like, really enjoyed that part of the film. Um, and then JP is, like, the, the antagonist of the movie. So at some point, he realizes that he has, like, this... He has the hell box. He's got a... Uh, uh, pinhead. And so he ends up, um, sleeping with this girl and like just treating her like trash afterward. And that's when, um, I guess, uh, Pinhead decides to like take her soul or whatever and like infuse it with his. And like Joey has this moment, like, oh, no, Joey, JP has this moment where he's almost a decent person. And then you're reminded that he's not a decent person. And so he kind of strikes a deal with Pinhead in order to like stay alive, that he would just bring him souls. And one soul that he needed to bring him was uh, the soul of his girlfriend, Terry. Um, so anyway, at some point, Terry and him end up getting this big argument. Um, he's trying to, like, feed her to Pinhead. But then Pinhead makes a deal with Terry and instead takes JP, which I thought was kind of a cool plot twist. I, was not, I thought JP would be, like, the antagonist majority of the film. He's not. He kind of, like, he has his moments and then he goes away. And then Terry kind of becomes, like, sort of an antagonist but not really. Um, and it's kind of sad to see her die too, because like, you're kind of like rooting for her because all the crap she's been through, but also you like her relationship with Joey. It's very weird. Joey is like having like military flashback, flashbacks. I think her dad was in the military. So I don't know how that works, but like there's, 
something going on with that with, with that part of her storyline. Um, anyway, we really get some cool symbiotes in this. I think that's what they're called. Symbiotes or symbiotes, whatever they're called, in this movie. Um, and I didn't realize that. Like, I thought they were always the same ones in each film. They're not. They're different. And, like, the ones in this one are pretty cool. Like, they're really cool looking. Like, Joey becomes one. Or not Joey. JP becomes one. Terry becomes one. A few other people become one. And there's, like, this really crazy scene. Um, wait, no. Is that in three or is that in four? Which film is that in? Oh, it is. It's in three. There's this crazy scene in three where, like, like I said, uh, JP has to get his own club. And so a lot of the people that, the, the people that are there at the club get, like, locked in this room. And, uh, uh, Pinhead is finally out of like his like entrapment and ends up like uh, like just killing all these people and it's insane. There's so much blood, but it's it's kind of it's a cool scene. It, it is a, it's a really cool scene. I was like, dude, this is kind of bad. Like it's kind of it's kind of scary. Like like you know like in a way. Um, and by the way, these films have a lot of sex in them. There's a lot of sex in these movies. Like which I mean I, I guess I get because it, it's all about hell or whatever. Like it's like a Dante's Inferno type deal. But there's a lot of sex in these movies, particularly in the first half, which I thought was kind of interesting. That, like, as we kind of get deeper into the films, there's less and less sex happening, which you think there'd be more and more of it instead of less and less, but there's, it's crazy. Um, one of the movies has a crazy scene. Anyway, so yeah, that's basically three. Um, I'm gonna kind of read my notes on it. Um, this is my notes. My note says like, the third movie isn't bad. Um, I, it was actually the last film that I really enjoyed. Out of the whole series, Three, like one through three, I actually really enjoyed enough to watch again and again. Um, but I think after that is where it kind of starts to go a little bit more downhill. Um, so yeah, that's that's three. Three kind of I don't think it ends open-ended. I don't remember. I don't remember how three ended actually. But like anyway, every in every single one of these movies, there's always like the box, right? The the, the toy box. And I I just got so sick of seeing that box. And I was like, if I was Pinhead, I would try to find a way to destroy that damn box, because oh my god, like but anyway, um, it was it was a fairly good movie. It was it was a decent movie. Let's get into number four, um, Hellraiser Bloodline. I want to read like everything that I put because I'm sure I put like okay, so soon. Yeah, I even said for number three, the the relationship between Joey and Terry was super cute until Terry was killed off. Yeah, that was kind of sucky. I was like, dang, that kind of sucks to see you killed off. But I get it. She was kind of powerless, and you know he lied and offered her power, and she didn't get no damn power. Um, next. Uh, number four, yeah, I said that it wasn't really terrible. Um, it was just kind of like, it was strange. Cause like the reason why I say it was strange is cause like this movie does a lot. It does a lot of time jumping. It starts off in like, I don't know, like, I don't know, the 1800s or some shit, maybe. No, maybe even like 1600s. Um, with these two guys that are performing some kind of ritual, they, uh, end up skinning this woman, their, like their woman housemate, whatever, alive and uh, the toy maker who created the, the uh, hell box, whatever it's called, um, he, the puzzle box, he brings it over for whatever reason to the house. And I guess they take it from him and then they tell him to go away. Um, but he ends up seeing what happens to this woman. And so they like, basically she's skinned alive and then a demon takes over um, her, her like body. So that way they can control her um, with, with its power. I'm not sure how the, again, how the box played into that, but that's what happens in that part. Um, so they end up, like I said, they end up having a demon and controlling that demon only for the demon to go nuts and basically kill, uh, the guy that, that enslaved her, but not the other guy, the younger guy. So there's two guys, there's the main guy and then his apprentice. Well, she kills the main guy and then the apprentice kind of takes over and becomes like her, like, like her partner. He kind of controls her, I guess, in a way, but you can't get in the demon's way. That's the only thing you cannot get in its way. It won't kill you if you don't get in its way. Um, 
So anyway, the guy who made the puzzle box is like, I live in puzzle box there. I need to get it back from them. So he ends up going back to the mansion, seeing that the, the main guy is dead and then ends up getting killed himself as well um, by the, the girl. <clears throat> um, we plot, by the way, it, I think the first part of this movie takes place in like space. And um, there's, like, a descendant of the toy box maker who's put by the same actor that's telling this story of, like, how these things came to be. I think that's that's where I, I, I fell off right there. Um, anyway, so we go back to... We go all the way to 1996, where another descendant of the toy box maker, which you guessed it, is the same actor. So he's playing three different parts in the same family. Um, he is... I think he's doing an art gallery or art show or whatever, and he's created a box. Um, uh, and, and the box, like, you know, the idea of the, the inventor, the idea of the box has been passed down from generation, 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 but this, this demon has been tracking it this whole time, I guess, basically. And she's living in Paris with the, the same guy that, uh, that, uh, the apprentice, she's living with the apprentice. So they, somehow he was able to live all that time. I get how she was able to live all that time. How was he able to live all that time and not age? That was my question. Cause like, how, how does this work? I don't know how it works. Anyway, so the demon sees that he has been moved to New York and, or, you know, that there's, there's an art show coming in New York. That is the descendant of the, the toy maker. And she's like, I need to go there. And the, you know, the guy who she's with is like, no, you're not going there. And she's killing him. Cause she's like, you got in my way. That was the one rule you should not have broken. You broke it. So she ends up going to New York and trying to go to this art gallery. The guy has a wife and a child. Um, the little boy is showing signs of also being very like, you know, inventive himself. Um, all this kind of stuff. And then there's also Pinhead. Pinhead kind of appears and is like, hey, like, I know you're this evil, you know, demon thing. You're a princess or whatever, but I know what you really are. And, and you don't want to come against me. So we got to work together because you don't want none of this. And she's just kind of like, you know, at first, like, oh, fuck you, Pinhead. But then she realized, you know what? Maybe I don't want none of this. Maybe we should team up, whatever. So anyway, they team up to try to take the guy down. Yada, yada, all this stuff happens. Um, and there's some, uh, there's some cool symbiotes in this too. Cinnabites? Cinnabites in this, whatever. There's these two twin cops, um, who end up kind of morphing into one being. Like, it, it was kind of cool how, how they look. The symbiotes in, or, I call them symbiotes. The Cinnabites in these films, like I said, the first four films are really inventive and creative. Like, I really liked the way that they looked. They, they all had their own unique looks. They were all kind of badass. Like, there's a showdown in number three where homegirls run into the streets or whatever, and, like, they're coming after her, and they all look pretty cool. Like, I, I have to say, like, I really was intrigued by how they made the symbiote, the Cenobites look in these, these first four films. I really was impressed with that. There's also some kind of homoerotic undertones to some of these movies. Like I said, the relationship between Joey and Terry, I felt like it was kind of like the, the two girls. I felt like it was kind of there. There's also a comment that one of the uh, security guards makes, one of the twin security guards makes in the fourth film when he was talking about uh, a sexual conquest of his and that I guess one of the one of his conquests was like, would you care if I was male at one point? And um, he said, not not really, like something to that effect. There was something like that um, in, in, in that film too. So I was kind of like intrigued by like, okay, so there's like, there are undertones. It made me think that in a future installment, we were going to get like a straight up gay relationship. I'm not saying that happens, but that was just something that I was like, I noticed in some of the films that were like little things that were thrown in. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Like either imagery or just, just conversation. Um, and number five does that too. Number five does something. Was it number five? It's number five. Yeah, number five does some stuff. Anyway, so um, yeah, like, so there's this big showdown, whatever. And um, the, uh, the, the toy makers, um, 
descendant in 1996, he gets his head chopped off, which I was not expecting to happen. I thought for sure he was going to live, but he ends up dying. His wife and son, I think, live, but he dies, I think, saving them or some junk. It's really weird. And then we flash forward, the very end, we flash forward to the, I guess, present, which is them in space, so the very far future or whatever. And um, the uh, pinhead and all of them have been released from the box. And it's the same uh, Cenobites from... 1996. Am I saying that right? Cinnabites, whatever. The same, the same ones from 1996. So I thought it was kind of interesting because I know like in majority of the films, you don't see the same Cinnabites except for Pinhead over and over again. So it's kind of funny that like the last ones that we saw in 1996 are the same ones we're seeing back here in the future. I, I thought that was kind of weird, but I guess it makes sense, whatever. So anyway, they go after him, uh, this, 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 uh, young, the young one, and he ends up making like this kind of like weird thing in space like the weird box in space whatever so i guess he locks him in space i don't i don't know but it was weird it was very weird it, it felt very jason x to me and i think that one came out number four came out in 1996 no so i think jason x hadn't come out at that time yet right i'm not sure but anyway it was very like weird i don't know it wasn't it wasn't my favorite um but it was kind of it was enjoyable it had its enjoyable moments for sure um the next one is going to be hellraiser 5 and that is hellraiser inferno that was released in 2000, and that movie was just absolutely, like, hold on, I'm sorry. That movie was just absolutely crazy. Um, I, let me see what I put. Oh, so numbers five and number six were very similar. These are the first two that I think are not written to be Hellraiser films. They were written to be, like, I guess, cop thriller drama, uh, like, suspense dramas, whatever the fuck. They're very different. You can tell they were not written to be Hellraiser films. Um, they're both about, I think one's about a detective, one is about someone else, like he's like a businessman or whatever, so they're both very similar films. Um, number five is about a detective who's got, like, a family, he's got, like, a, a mother, a father, um, he's got, like, a wife and a kid, um, but he's, he's, he's an investigator, and he's kind of a shady cop. He ends up cheating on his wife with some girl in a motel or whatever, and the girl ends up dead. There's also, like, the situation where a guy that he knew in high school, um, had, like, I guess had the, the, the toy box and opened it or whatever, he's dead, and then there's a missing child with, like, a, a finger missing, um, and one of the child's fingers ends up at, like, every crime scene, and they think the child is still alive, so they're searching for this child. It's very, very strange, um, there's like an ice cream man involved in this. It, it was really, he was like a creepy ice cream man. But like, you kind of, I, I like, he gave me creeper vibes. At the same time, I kind of felt bad for him when he was getting the, his, his ass kicked. I was like, I feel bad for you a little bit. I don't know why, but I do. It was weird. Then he ends up going to like this massage parlor or like this tattoo parlor to kind of meet up with this guy and like investigate him. But like, as he's like hitting this guy, he like puts him up against the wall and he tells the guy, like the guy tells him, he's like, so are you going to frisk me or F me? And we're all like, like, I was like, what? Like, that was like another thing. Like, and that whole situation felt very like homoerotic in a way. And I was like, what is happening in this scene? Like, but that's what I was feeling before he even said a word. And then when he said that, I was like, okay, okay. So there was definitely some intention to make this seem like it's 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 a thing, um, which I think the cop's reaction to that was kind of funny too. It was like like the actor who plays him, which also by the way I have to add in this film as well, the actor who plays the main character, the cop, he looks like David Boreanaz from um, Buffy. He's not him, but he looks a lot like him. And I was looking at pictures of this guy because like on his IMDb, he was a fox when he was younger. This dude, uh, I forgot his name, um, but yeah, he's a really good looking guy. Um, what else did I put down there? Oh, I think his name was, like, Craig Schaefer or whatever. He's a really handsome dude. Um, in fact, I even wrote that down in my notes <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, and then, so then there's number six. Um, that's all I'm really going to say about number five for now. Oh, well, 
So clearly someone is trying to like um, pin these murders on him. And he's got a detective partner who actually really liked the partner. I thought the partner was kind of cool. Where he kind of entraps the partner too. Because like I said, the girl, he was seeing a girl in the hotel room. She ends up dead the next day. He ends up taking his partner's like smokes and his pen and leaving it in the crime scene room. That way, if anything traces back to him, his partner can go down with him. And I thought that was really shady and really fucked up. Like, it was really messed up. And this is also, I think this is also the first one um, that is a male uh, main character. The next two films, five and six, are both male uh, focused main characters where I think everything from one through four, or I'm sorry, everything from one through three were female based. Um, four, five, and six are all males. Um, they're the, the uh, that are the main characters. And both five and six, the main male characters, they're kind of shady. I kind of don't like them. And I was like, oh, it's kind of kind of whack. Anyway, we'll go to number six and we'll come back to five because they kind of tie in in a way. Like, not really, but they do. Number six is different because number six stars some guy that works like at like some kind of, I don't know, insurance place. I don't know what he does. But he's married. Um, and it starts off with his wife dying. She dies in a car accident. And the wife his wife is actually the main character in one and two and she makes an appearance in three so this actress the actress that plays the wife in this one she reprises her role three to four different times in the series this is the last time she's making an appearance by the way is is in this film but she plays the the main character's wife and he's basically like you know he's been sleeping around on her at the office his masseuse i think there's another woman he sleeps with so he's been getting busy um on his wife but his wife is now dead and so he's like I guess when he got into the car accident, he's saying that he had amnesia. He doesn't remember a lot of things. His his um, friend at work is very, like, on him. Like, very, like, look busy. Look like, working, da, da, da. Just always in his face and stuff, which I thought was kind of strange. Um, and then he ends up, like, like I said, people end up around him getting murdered. And he's trying to figure out what's going on, why he sees his wife in different places. Like, she had drowned or whatever. And it turns out that... Um, she so he bought her a gift the gift he bought her for her birthday was the the box he found the box i guess she had told him about the box from her past he found that box and like basically made her open it in front of him and that pissed her off obviously and so she made a deal with pinhead that like she would go and basically offer him up like five souls because like you know that's how this works so she offered him up the souls of the women that he was sleeping with um his business partner and then ultimately him he himself for for doing all the shady crap that he did to her so it kind of like it, it kind of does a little plot twisty thing at, at some point where you you that is revealed to you that she is like the the master like not the mastermind but she made a deal to save herself because obviously she's been through this three times before but she's made the deal to, to basically like you know sacrifice him because of the douchey things that he was doing to her the cheating the lying the backstabbing and so it was interesting too because like at one point his business partner tells him he's like you know i'm i'm gonna he- i'm i gonna go to hell but i'm gonna be there with you and again i felt that that was really like i don't know i could have been reading too much into that line but it felt very like again like the business partner was into him that's kind of what it that was kind of the vibe it was giving me a little bit because i'm like you are too into this man's business but I kind of got why like they were working together on this lazy shit but the way that he said that was like I'm gonna be in hell with you kind of think, oh you're kind of interested okay yeah and the guy that's in this movie the main character he's in the car insurance thing you know that that oh I forgot what his name is but he's always like um um don't don't let bad that bad things happen to you like me that kind of that kind of insurance guy thing where he's always getting banged up in the commercials it's him it's that actor who's also another good looking guy this this series has some some good looking cast I'm not gonna say that they they kind of do um especially in number eight but we'll get to number eight later anyway so 
that happens. Now, again, five and six were very similar. And you can see the budget kind of went downhill for, you know, after these movies. Like, the budget definitely, like, from, from four to five, you can see the budget getting lower. And then six, again, getting lower. Less money. Um, but what's interesting about five and six is, like I said, they're both from, like, a male perspective. And they're both two of the douchiest, kind of, like, scummiest guys. But I kind of like five more than six because I like that, like, in five, it kind of throws you because his, like, both the guy's parents die. They're both killed. And then um, also his wife and child die, which I was not expecting to see, but they both get killed. And it turns out he has something to do with all their murders. So remember how I said in five that there was a kid with missing fingers? Yeah, the kid is him. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but somehow, like, in hell, they're um, taking each of his fingers and placing it at a murder scene. And I guess he's involved with all these different murders. It's him. And we end up seeing him at the very end get, like, torn apart. And his, like, demon self is left. So that's kind of how the fifth movie ends. Six is kind of similar, but not really. It does end with Homegirl, who, who like I said, from the uh, original films, uh, she kind of, like, she, she gets away um, after her husband dies. And then she gets the box back. The detective gives her the box. And she kind of takes it going, like, kind of giving him a look of, like, bitch, if you only knew what I've been through, I don't want this fucking box. But that's kind of how number six ends. So it's kind of interesting. And then we get into number seven, <laughs> which, again, feels like five and six, um, but from a female perspective this time. And this film is definitely different. It kind of focuses more on um, drugs. So let me, hold on, let me see what I wrote in my notes for number seven. Um, seven definitely is, again a smaller budget than the last couple films you can definitely tell you can also tell this was not meant to be a um a hellraiser film as well like hellraiser like pinhead plays such a small part in five six and seven very very small parts in all three of these um movies and and uh, future films as well but a very small part in these films where you can tell this was he was definitely an afterthought um and i would say he plays more of a part in i think this one number seven towards the end Anyway, so number seven starts with, I guess, um, a woman overdosing on drugs. Um, she ends up getting killed or whatever. And her sister, I think it's her sister, question mark, question mark, or friend, is out to try to find who killed her, basically. Um, and I guess the, the hell box has been opened because now there's all these different people that are, like, coming into her life. But they're all very strange. It's very, it's a very weird... I'm not explaining these movies well, and I, I apologize. But it wasn't... These movies are just very weird. They're very weird how they tie into this... The world of, of Hellraiser. Um, anyway, so she works at, like... I want to say a police station. I think she's a detective or some shit. But she works at a police station or something like that. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... I'm going to read my notes. Oh, one of my favorite parts of this film is the guy who plays Martin in The Parent Trap, the one with Lindsay Lohan, he's in this film. He plays, like, one of her partners or whatever, and I actually really loved him in this movie. I was like, I love the fact that you're in this. Like, it's so weird that you're in this, but I love that you're in this, and he kind of kept me interested in his part. Anyway, because he's Martin, and I love Martin. I love him so much. Um, um, there's also, oh, yes, there's also a subway scene in this movie that really, like, kind of was cool, but not cool. So there's a scene where our main character is, she's looking for, like, you know, um, the, uh, the instructor, whatever the fuck his name is. I think his name is Winter. She's looking for this guy named Winter. And she goes on this bus, um, or the, the subway, and it's, like, 
tons of people in it, tons of people partying. They're nude, they're naked, having sex, whatever. There's a woman who's like breastfeeding a baby doll. And then there's a child with a rose in his mouth and like an actual child. And it really bothered me that there's a kid in this scene and like right in the same scene, everyone's like having sex and orgies and people are naked. It was just not, I was like, this is not the vibe. This is like, and he's in like two scenes, like in this, cause she goes back there later and it's happening again. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, who thought, like, why does the kid need to be, he has a rose in his mouth, but I'm almost like, why does this kid need to be there? Why does there need to be a child in this scene? Like, what the, like, what, what in the fuck? It felt like a, a scene out of the Matrix. It was really weird, but I just didn't understand why this kid needed to be there. I just didn't get it. Um, I also want to mention, I forgot his name. Did I even put his name in there, the guy? Um, one of the guys that she goes to meet in this place, he's kind of cool. He's kind of a cool character. Um, again, he feels like he comes out of something else, though. Like, it, it felt very Matrix number seven. It was very strange. Um, but he's basically trying to tell her, like, you know, you need to relax. Don't go, don't go too deep into this shit because you're going to end up in a place you don't like. Yada, yada. And there's, again, there's so much shit happening around her in this scene. It's, it's a cool scene had there not been a child in it. The child and the, the lady with the baby, baby doll thing. That really just made me feel very uncomfortable. And the scene went from being interestingly shot to just like, can we not? Like, can we just not do this? Um, yeah, that was that was really weird. I, I didn't like that. Um, I even put that in the notes. <laughs> this scene would have been great if there was no fucking kidding. Like, what the fuck? Um, oh, also, this film came out in 2002. And fun fact, um, this one, number seven, which is Hellraiser... Uh, did I even say what they were? Oh, so I'm sorry. Okay. So Hellraiser 1 is just called Hellraiser. Hellraiser 2 um, is called Hellraiser... Hellbound. Hell, it's called Hellbound Hell, Hellraiser 2. Number 3 is Hellraiser uh, Hell on Earth. Number 4 is Hellraiser Bloodline. Number 5 is Hellraiser Inferno. Number 6 uh, Hellraiser is, is called Hellraiser Hellseeker. This one is number 7 Hellraiser Debtor, which I thought was a weird name. And then number 8 Hellraiser Hellworld. Now, the reason why I stopped there is because Hellraiser 7 and 8 were shot the same year. They were both shot in 2002 and released in 2005. So that was kind of interesting. I think a couple, only a couple months apart with um, Hellraiser Hell World number eight being released in December. So that was kind of interesting that they shot them at the same time. But again, I don't think Hellraiser 7 was meant to be a Hellraiser film anyway. And allegedly number eight wasn't, although I hear that it was. It's very conflicting information. Um... Right. So what's interesting about this film, number seven, is that it goes back to the whole like descendants of the the box maker because Winter is the descendant of the bo- the guy who made the box. So it's one of those things um, in this film. There's some cool imagery in the movie. But other than that, like I just I didn't care. It was about a whole bunch of people who, who take drugs and who are dying. It was basically that. Um, and then she has some weird kind of flashback with her dad where I guess she stabbed her dad because I guess he was abusive. But then she's stabbing herself. It was very weird. Um, I think at the end of the film, I think she dies. Is that correct? Is that correct? I think that's correct. I don't remember. Either she dies or... No, she does. At the end of, this, at the, end of the film, she dies. But the guy that she works with, Martin, I think he ends up getting the box back or something like that. And then he ends up like tricking another girl into taking the box or some kind of shit like that that's what happened in that movie again it was really weird at some point i was like at some point in a lot of these movies i kind of just start tuning them out like, this is this is dumb like this is, this is no um but yeah i i 
I appreciate them kind of calling back some of the other films with this one to make it feel like it does belong in this series because like I said, four, five and six just felt like, what the fuck is this? And then this one kind of does the same. This one feels like it belongs with five and six, but also like it could belong to the others. It's just very weird. It's very strange. Um, now let's get into number eight. Okay, so number eight, um, in the film, let me see if I wrote my notes down. Yeah, okay, so number eight is actually has, is, is one of my, one of my favorites in the series. This one actually kind of picks up a little bit. Um, while I think there's some elements that are like, why did you do this? There's also some pretty good elements in it too, too. So number eight is about, um, a young guy who is involved with this, like, group of people who love, like, horror and love, like, uh, you know, like, hell and all this kind of shit. He ends up killing himself. He ends up uh, dousing himself with with um, with gasoline and setting himself on fire. Um, and so we start off the movie at his funeral and his five friends who are just like devastated that he died. Four of them are very connected to each other while the fifth one, his name is I think Logan or something. He wants nothing to do with, or is it Jake? It might be Jake. I think it's Jake. Jake, who wants nothing to do with the other four. The other four's names I think are Chelsea, um, Derek, Mike and then the other girl I forgot her name but the, those are those are the other friends um they're all again really connected to each other you can tell that they're really good friends uh one of the guys Mike is played by the beautiful the gorgeous the oh my god will you marry me Henry Cavill and he yes Superman yes him and he plays his role like I feel like he is so much like his role like like in real life I feel like heavy Henry Cavill is a little bit of like a frat boy douchebag like just a little bit am I attracted to that just a little bit like that's kind of the I'm telling you he's a beautiful man I don't think he's ever spent a day in his life being ugly or just attractive he's a beautiful man so I totally get like I mean I don't think I don't think he should behave that way at all I don't think anyone should you're not no one's pretty enough to be an asshole but something gives me he gives me very like Gaston vibes but like Gaston with like a slightly good heart so like Clark Kent um that's kind of the vibe that he gives me a little bit in his personal life. But I do feel like this role was definitely meant for him because I do know that Henry Cavill is a bit of a nerd. He loves playing games. And this is like, like, I think he's really, I think he likes RPGs and I know he likes World of Warcraft and stuff and he built his own computer. So he kind of, this kind of is in his realm. And what's funny is like, you can tell the main actress in the film, she's a terrible, like dude, she is a bad actor. And I, I normally don't like to say that kind of stuff, but it's so blatantly obvious that she's not, as good as the actors around her. She's like, none of them. She's not as good as the actors around her and it shows. And that's why I was like, why did they make her the main character in this basically? And she's the worst of them all. She's not a good actor. Henry Cavill is, is better than this movie. He's better than this movie. The guy that plays Derek, he's also better than this movie. I would even say the guy that plays Jake because I've seen him all in Degrassi and stuff. He's good enough for this movie. He was a good actor. Like, she was the only one that I'm like, dude, this is bad. Why is she the main character? She's just not, like, no. There were even moments in number six where the guy who's from the insurance commercials, where even he was making faces. I'm like, that's not, no. Like, I'm not a great actor myself, but no, no. Like, mm -mm. the lady in seven, the main character in seven, she too wasn't the greatest actress either. But this girl was really really bad compared to everyone else like really you can tell that they were picking up the slack because she didn't have the right emotions i think for some scenes um and it was weird like her character would go back and forth from being scared and terrified to being like overly confident and like basically telling pinhead to go f himself it was really weird really weird anyway so after the death of their friend 
they all decide to play this online game, which I'm like, why are you, like, you guys are dumb. They go and play this online game that invites them to this house. It's invitation only. So they go to this house. It's like, it's like a hell house, basically. And it's run by the guy who's in the show, I think Millennium, who's also um, John, uh, John something from Scream 3. He's Roman's dad. Roman's dad that, that, that uh, um, assaulted uh, Sydney's mother, the one they had a child with. Um, so that's, that's who he is. He's, he's that guy. Um, anyway, so he ends up running this, this murder house or whatever. And he's, uh, everyone's like trying to find Pinhead or some shit, some shit's happening in this house. Um, and so of course all five friends go, they attend, but like, they don't, like the, the four that are together don't know that, um, uh, Jake is there. And then Jake kind of just shows up. He's there on a date. He's looking for his date. He never really gets to find his date. There's nuns in this movie. I I don't get it. There's a nun that he, uh, he ends up sleeping with, which I thought was weird. I was like, why is he sleeping? Why is a nun sleeping with him? Why is this happening? I don't like this. Let's not. Like, I mean, no, we don't need this scene. Like, nah. Anyway, so they're all being separated throughout the house or whatever. Um, and then um, they all kind of die. So basically what happens is the, the, the owner of the house or the owner of the party he takes them down to this place. He only takes these five down. So like the seller shows them everything. He's like, I can tell you guys are, are bigger thrill seekers than these guys. I'm going to show you everything. So he offers them drinks. A few of them take them. Some don't. Then like one of the girls sprays herself with perfume. Um, and then there's a part where he gives um, the, like the, the little toy box to, um, to Jake. It cuts him. And so his blood is like on the box. And then there's another scene where, um, He's talking to Chelsea, the main girl of, of the film, and he like pricks her with like this little needle or whatever. All of these instances, the two guys drinking, the friends bringing her some perfume, the box, and then him pricking the girl. All of these are like sleep inducing and kind of put them in like these, these like uh, sleeping states. And throughout the film, we see him burying things. He's just burying things. And then each one of the friends is like separated, but he gives them all a phone and a mask. So they can kind of go and be whoever they want. And then on the mask, there's a number, like a four-digit number. If you call that number, you get to talk to whoever that person is in the party. So, for example, if you like someone at the party, they're wearing a mask, you can just dial the number because everyone has a cell phone and, like, the mask um, because it's provided by the party. You dial that number, you get to talk to that person. That's how it works. So throughout the night, they're dialing numbers, calling different people they're interested in, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, and I was, <laughs> there was a few things I thought was, were interesting about this, but I guess I'll save that for later. Anyway, so, um, throughout the course of the night, they're, they're starting to die off and stuff. One of the girls gets killed in the chair. One of them, uh, Derek has asthma and his inhaler goes on. Of course, it's like, you know how when people in, in scary movies have inhalers, something's gotta happen. Like, see Scream 5. So anyway, uh, the inhaler drops to the ground and gets kicked everywhere because of course, he has to go down to the cellar and get it. And somehow Pinhead chops his head off, which I'm like, I've never seen Pinhead like actively partake in the murders. Normally they all like end up on these hooks and then Pinhead just watches them die. This is the first time I've seen Pinhead actually attack someone. It's very strange. It didn't feel like Pinhead to me. Um, and there's a reason for that. So anyway, um, later on in the film, it's discovered that um, the five main characters are actually not in the house. They're actually buried alive. Yes, they're buried alive. 
And each one of them who died in the house kind of died similar in their grave. So basically the three friends that died, which are Henry Cavill's character, the two others, Derek and the other the other girl, Amy, I think her name is, I'm not following Amy, whatever. Um, they all died inside the boxes. Amy died like basically scratching her neck out for whatever reason. Um, Derek died of, of asthma, you know, and the other one, Henry Cavill's character died of fear while in the actual house, they died different ways. So it was kind of interesting. It was, it was a different kind of film. Honestly, if the main actress had been stronger, I would have really liked this movie and, and easily placed it very, very high, which it's medium tier, but I would have placed it much higher because it was fun to a degree. But because her acting was just so poor, I was like, dude, this is, I'm like, I'm sorry. Why you? And also like, I feel like Henry Cavill was underutilized a little bit in this movie because like, go with me here. These movies always have sex scenes. There's always a sex scene in these movies. And like, Henry, like, like, I mean, he does have, like, a scene in this movie, but, like, I don't know, like, I thought for sure, like, I was like, oh, God, they're going to exploit the crap out of Henry Cavill in this movie, and they do, but they don't, and that was kind of what I, I kind of found refreshing, at the same time, shocking, because I'm like, there is a sex scene in the movie, like, like a, like a big one, but, like, it's not him, it's another guy, it's one of the other main characters, and I was like, I really thought they were going to utilize him for that, it's really, I'm kind of shocked, I'm kind of glad they didn't, because that's so obvious, but I'm also kind of shocked because that's so obvious. I thought they were going to do that and they didn't. But um, it was just very interesting. It was, it was really interesting to see a young Henry Cavill. I feel like I've, like I've seen him in other things too when he was younger, but I always like forget that like, that's right, outside of Superman, he was all these other things and he's been in good movies and bad movies and in between movies. So it was kind of interesting to see him in that movie. And I always wonder if like some of these people look back and go like, yep, I was in that really bad film or yep, I was in this movie that didn't do but very well or whatever. Um, or I was part of a franchise. I want to see if I put anything else in this. Um, but I did say in my notes, uh, let's see what I said. Um, yeah, I said it, it's fun enough um, compared to its predecessors. Again, this, the symbiotes in this, or Cinnabites in this one were kind of cool. They definitely were, were, were different because they were the, the characters uh, that we see, except for Derek, because Derek's head was severed. They never made him a symbiote or Cinnabite, whatever. Uh, they did make the other two. Henry Cavill's symbiote, Cinnabite was kind of lazy. I was like, eh, that could have been cooler than how they made it, but whatever. Um, and I did say that I liked the film. I, I liked Derek the most because Derek was... I, I liked Derek. I thought he was a fun character. I really did. Um, I thought he was kind of cool. Um, anyway, so now let's get into the ninth one. So nine and ten for me were just so boring. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't even finish ten. I was so bored because nine just took so much out of me that I was so bored. Anyway, let's get into nine. So... This is what I said. The ninth film is kind of like a found footage thing, which it is. It starts off with like these two guys going on a vacation to Mexico. Um, they're leaving uh, one of their girlfriends behind. The girlfriend of uh, the girlfriend. I'm sorry. It's a guy and his best friend, and his best friend is dating his sister, or they're they're engaged, or some shit like that. So they're going on a trip together. Um, the boyfriend of the sister is taking the brother out for like some drinks or whatever. They're going to go to Mexico and have fun. I think he lied and said, I'm taking you to Disneyland. It wasn't Disneyland. Whatever. Anyway, so um, they end up going to like this bar and meeting this girl. And again, the, the brother is filming all this stuff. Um, and originally the brother was going to hook up with the girl. That was the plan. Um, she doesn't speak any English, but that was the plan. And it turns out that like they go to the restroom and instead of him hooking up with the girl, it's the the, the guy that's uh, seeing the brother's sister. He is the one hooking up with the girl. Um, 
<laughs> and so we also flashed to the family. These guys have been gone for months. It turns out that the family thinks that they're dead. Um, and this was all they found of them was like this footage and then this box. Um, the sister ends up opening the box and the sister's really annoying. The sister was annoying as shit. So these two families are coming together for a dinner, whatever reason. I guess they're trying to like trying to like forget about the past and still be together because they're, you know, their sons are both gone. Um, and they're taking it very hard, yada, 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 all this stuff. And so the sister, again, finds the footage. She sees her boyfriend was cheating on her. She gets pissed. She ends up, like, opening the box. Um, as soon as she's by the pool opening the box, the brother, her brother, comes out of nowhere um, and is, like, right behind her. We get shots of Pinhead. By the way, this is the first film that uh, the guy, Doug, some, I thought his name, Doug, whatever, who does Pinhead. Great actor. Great actor. Who's been Pinhead for the first eight movies. This is the first time he's not Pinhead. It's a totally different guy playing Pinhead. And I do feel bad for this guy because he obviously is taking over a part that, like, was well established for eight films by somebody else so I felt really bad for him I felt really 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 bad for him um because I think he was panned and I, I kind of get like I kind of get why you know he was panned um only because like it was it's such an iconic part for someone to play and for you to like you know it's not a reboot it's a sequel and you're playing this character like I'm not saying he deserved to be panned at all but I'm saying like I know how fans work so yeah you know it, yeah but I mean, still, he got to kind of, he got to play Pinhead. I, I felt like he was very like low in how he spoke. He could have spoken a little bit louder, but I don't know. The film itself was just crazy. Anyway, so um, the brother out of the two guys that, you know, are on this trip, you feel for the brother. You kind of like feel for him, like, you know, oh man, you know, he's kind of in a sucky situation. You know, his his sister's boyfriend is trash, whatever. Um, and we see the boyfriend get killed early on. Like he, he ends up opening the box. So he gets killed very early on the brother's found and he's shaking he's like you know, i gotta get away from the guy get away from them so they're like you're alive what happened to her boyfriend where's he at how come we don't see him um the brother kind of comes in and out of consciousness the sister opens the box like i said and releases you know uh pinhead and all them and that's when we see a switch in the brother he kind of starts acting weird we see more flashbacks of what's happened between the brother and the boyfriend and um the boy so the boyfriend ends up having sex with with one of the girls ends up killing her and he's trying to get away from from what happened because it was he said it was an accident but it happens again and so basically what happens is the brother or the, the boyfriend ends up getting killed and um he ends up needing like people's flesh i guess to come back that's kind of the the deal i guess that was made and so the the brother is now put in a situation where he has to kill people in order to get the the guy back you know his body and he doesn't want to do that obviously but like he's kind of being like made to do it um but then he also gets skinned himself it was really weird anyway so at one point in the story um it's revealed that the brother is dead and that the boyfriend took his skin and is wearing his skin and has now taken the identity of the brother. There's this weird scene where the sister and the brother are in the room together and she's you know, trying to feed the brother some, some, some soup or whatever the fuck or drink some tea, whatever he's drinking in that bowl. And um, he starts coming on to her. They end up having a makeout session. There's incest. But we find out that it's not really incestual on his part because he's the guy. But she's the sister and I'm like... Uh, either way like no it's 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 no it's very luke and leia just i was like this is not okay there's there's definitely that happening um so anyway he ends up like <laughs> the boyfriend ends up shooting the the sister's the, the the girlfriend's dad because the girlfriend's dad was cheating on the their mother with 
the boyfriend's mom. So there was like some 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 cross family sexual situation type deals that were happening. It's revealed that the boyfriend is the brother, and they're like, "Well, where's our son? Where's our son at?" The son has turned into one of the Cenobites, I guess, but he has no recollection of the family because he's a Cenobite now, and it doesn't really matter. It's just it's very strange. Anyway, so this one weird creepy guy comes into the the film a few times. He ends up coming to the house and attacking one of the dads and trying to cut, like, part of his face off. It's really weird. Um, And at some point, you know, Pinhead comes into it. Both mothers end up getting killed. One mother because she's like, you know, yeah, the little girl, the, the daughter opened the box, but the son made her do it. She gets killed for that. And then, you know, the husband um, of the, the two kids, he ends up shooting the boyfriend. Um, even though Pinhead was like, yo, why'd you do that? We were going to make him suffer for eternity. Now that you've taken from us, we're going to take from you. Then killing his wife and not him because he's been shot with a shotgun. So he's dying. Um, and so the daughter is kind of left by herself. I don't know what happened to the other the other father. I don't know what happened to him exactly, but everyone else is dead. And the film ends with the daughter in the box. And again, I was like, Dude, she was the worst cast member in this whole movie. Why did you keep her alive? The, like, these last two films, like, the blonde main lead characters are the worst actors. They suck. And you're keeping them alive but killing off people who are, like, more talented than them and better characters than them. Like, you could have at least brought the brother back. He didn't deserve to. I mean, well, I mean he was doing some, some fucked up shit, too. Like, honestly, in a lot of these films... There's really nobody to root for. Like, if these movies went from, like, I would say, <clears throat> after three, I stopped really wanting to root for the main characters. Like, because in four, you want to root for the toy box side, but he ends up dying, so it's like, whatever. His descendant didn't really, I didn't give a shit about him. And then five, six, seven, not really wanted to root for any of them. Number eight, there were a few characters like Derek I wanted to root for, but I knew they were going to die anyway, and they were kind of dumb for going to the murder house. So I was like, eh, they could all die. I don't really care. Um, and then nine, again, no one to really root for. And then in 10, 10 was just, I don't know. 10 just didn't, it was boring. I didn't like 10. I stopped watching it. There is a scene in 10 that was interesting where like one of the girls comes home from, from a hard day's work or whatever. She thinks her boyfriend's in the house. It turns out to not be her boyfriend. She ends up getting killed. And the detectives come to the house to try to see what happened. And her dog is buried inside of her. But like it was given just enough like air to breathe. So the dog is alive. And they pull the dog out of her stomach and it's alive. And I was like, dude, this is terrible. But also kind of cool. Like it's, 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 it's illogical, but sure. Like, I don't know. That was like the only thing in 10 that really stuck out to me. Otherwise the movie was trash. Um, the makeup in 10 was better than nine, but I just, I, these movies at some point just kind of became like, this is absolute, this is stupid. This is so dumb. So here we go. We're finally going to do the rankings of these films. And then I'm ending this episode. I don't know how long it's even been. Oh yeah. It's almost time. All right. So let me do the ranking and then we will go ahead and finish this up. Um, it might not go down the way that you think. So let's go at number 10 on my list of rankings. We have 2011's Hellraiser 9 Revelations. That film was just awful. Um, I wanted to like it. I really did. Um, but it was just really bad. It was just, it was just a really, really bad movie. Sorry. Um, at number, uh, number nine in the, in the franchise. Uh, see, mm, 
I could be wrong. But anyway, at number nine, I'm going to go ahead and say this. 2018's Hellraiser 10 Judgment. That was just so boring. But again, like, number eight was the most boring. Like, number nine was the most boring. I kind of want I kind of want to watch nine again. Just because I'm like, was it really that bad? And I know the answer. But, like, it was just so, so bad. Um, yeah, but nine and ten, boring and bad. Um, at number eight on my list is going to be 2005's Hellraiser 7 Debtor. Um, again, I just didn't... I didn't vibe with that film. I just, I just didn't vibe with it. It wasn't the worst, obviously, but it wasn't great either. Um, I do like the all the scenes on the the, the subway. I just wish the child wasn't in it because those were some cool scenes. Like it just, it felt very Matrixy in a way. That was the only thing, really cool thing about that film. But like the other parts were just kind of stupid, honestly. Um, at number seven, we have 2002, 2002's Hellraiser six. Hellseeker. Um, again, not the worst in the franchise. It just didn't feel like a Hellraiser movie until like we saw Hellraiser characters. It was kind of one of those things. Just not the greatest. Uh, yeah, and the, the main character guy, he was a jerk. So, um, which now is uh, number five is 2000's Hellraiser 5 Inferno. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's number six. That's number six for me in, in, in that place. Um, again, like, uh, like six, it's just the main guy was a jerk. It was interesting, you know, interesting enough, but it was definitely weird. It took, it took a different approach than one through four did for sure. Um, but it was just weird. It was just weird. And I didn't like the main character. He was a jerk and I felt bad for him. And then I just didn't, I was like, I don't feel bad for you. I feel bad for people around you. You're kind of a jerk. So yeah. Um, here's where it gets kind of twisty. Here we go. Um, at number five on my list, we have um, 1996's Hellraiser 4 Bloodline. Yes, at number five on the list. Um, so yeah, this is, again, this is number four. It was the last of like the string of at least decent films. Um, this one was just like, I don't know. It was, it was all the time jumping for me that I think really set this one back. Uh, the main actor in the film, I really wasn't sure how to feel about him and his acting. I, I just wasn't sure about this movie altogether. It wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't great. It wasn't anything to write home about. I probably would watch it again and be like, eh, it was okay. Like, it, it was, it was, it, it's rewatchable, but it just isn't, like, good uh, or great. At number four, haha, is 2005's Hellraiser 8, Hellworld. And you might be thinking, oh, because Henry Cavill's in it. Well, yes, that is, that is a part of it. Yes, Henry Cavill and the guy who plays Derek. I love them both dearly. Uh, it's a good-looking cast of people, but that's not why. I actually just liked the idea of it. I thought it was just, it's very cheesy. It, it gives me very House on Haunted Hill um, with uh, uh, with Bridget Wilson. Uh, I think she's in it. Bumka Jensen, Tay Diggs. It gives me that kind of movie vibe. So I was like, oh, I've seen this before, but it's okay. Like, this, it's, it's not as good, but it definitely has a vibe that, like, I... It, it, it feels familiar and that's okay with me. I'm comfortable with that. That's all right. So I didn't mind that one. I would watch that one again for sure, especially because Henry Cavill's in it. Like, beautiful. Um, at number three on this one, um, we have 1992's Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Um, I just thought it was it, an interesting film. I, I liked it a lot. I did like the characters in this one. I loved, I, I loved Joey. I thought Joey was really cute. I also loved the character of Terry. Um, I thought, I thought they just really played well together, those two actresses. And the plot twist of, uh, Terry becoming a, a Cinnabite or whatever, and, like, low-key kind of being, like, a bad guy was kind of cool. And I loved JP. 
Like, I think he's a totally trash, terrible character, but he's handsome. He's really good looking. Um, and so I kind of liked just that whole thing. I liked seeing him get what he deserved because he was terrible, but I loved seeing, like, you know, Joey kind of win and save the day. I felt bad for Terry. So there were characters in this that I either hated or I loved or I liked, but either way, I had emotions about them that were different in range than just like, oh, everyone can die. I don't care. Like that's, that's the vibe of a lot of the movies in this series. And this was different. So I liked that. At number two, here we go, is 1987's Hellraiser, the first film. A really good movie, kind of slow in pace, but I liked it. Um, well enough and when things do happen they happen and they're like oh my god that's crazy so I really did like the original film you normally you cannot top the original but this series does something kind of cool where in my opinion the second one does top the original um so I kind of like that and of course at number one 1988's Hellraiser or Hellbound Hellraiser 2 that is the definitely to me the best one of that series and I look back at the first two maybe even three films and I go why could like why couldn't this series just kind of keep something similar to that. Like I said, number four doesn't do a terrible, terrible job. Number eight, you know, all the way down to number eight doesn't do the worst job. But majority of the films in the series just really fall flat. And like I said, a lot of them were not written to be Hellraiser films. And if number eight was not written to be a Hellraiser film, it did a pretty good job compared to the other films that were not meant to be Hellraisers um, at trying to bring the series back to some sort of like familiar territory without just sticking pinhead in i mean this film does like, number eight does feel like it does just stick pinhead in there when it needs him but at the same time like i can respect it more than a lot of the other installments after four i would say after four it really just becomes like what is this like honestly five through seven i'm just like what is happening here and then again with eight and nine i'm like oh, well not not so much or eight nine i'm sorry uh, with nine and ten but not so much ten 10, I kind of get. 10, I kind of feel like, okay, it's trying, but it's just, it's we're at the tail end. I'm bored now. It was, like, it was trying, but I'm bored. But yeah, a lot of the films in the series just did not feel like they were meant to be a part of this series. So that is the end of my ranking for the Hellraiser films. Again, I would recommend you seeing uh, films one through four. Definitely watch eight if you want to, and then kind of skipping everything else. Um, pretty much pretty much you can watch them of course because a lot of them are standalone films you don't actually have to watch the rest of the series for that i would say if you if there's a timeline you're trying to follow watch one through one through four and then also watch number six because that's at least uh the main girl's character is in that one so you could skip she's not in number four but still number four is a part of that storyline kind of so you could watch one two three four and then six and then that's it if you want to follow a certain storyline if you want to watch all of them watch all of them you can even watch numbers five through i would say five through seven if you want to kind of get because those are all very kind of familiar to each other as well or similar to each other as well so you could watch all three of those if you wanted to um um and if you want to watch the ones that are more heavily you know involved i would say one two three four eight and possibly ten possibly 10 question mark question mark leaving out the other ones but that's pretty much it um and that, that if you just want to watch the bad ones well then watch everything that's like watch everything past four and so watch like five through ten but skip eight i would say if you just want to watch the bad ones there we go um that's pretty much the end of this one i'll see you guys next time have a great rest of your day night evening afternoon you can watch most of the hellraiser films on hbo max i found the last two the 
two of the worst ones on Pluto, uh, streaming for free, but you're going to have to watch a shit ton of commercials for other things. So that's the end of that one. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.